Fuck. Check, 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 check. Yeah. <laughs> okay, I'm ready. 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 Kirsten, can you see us at least? Yeah, I can see you guys, but I okay. just, I don't know why I'm a black screen. It's really weird. I like how you asked if I could see you and then took your shirt off when I confirmed. <laughs> Today on the Geek Out Podcast, FU, it's 2020, so more stuff has been delayed, including Tenet, again, Mulan, again, and Super Mario Nintendo World in Japan. Oh no! But there's still some newish stuff to watch, including 20 Studio Ghibli films. We talk about a whole bunch of actors on actors, but it's not as gross as it sounds. (laughs) Or as tantalizing. And Splash Mountain is being rebranded because it was based... Turns out, off a racist movie. Nerdy is the new sexy. It's good to be a geek. The Zones Geek Out, the podcast. It's the Geek Out podcast. This is episode 91.3, if I may. Ooh. No, I may not. <laughs> ah, very good. Funny. <laughs> Put that in. Okay, fine. We record this on June 30th, 2020. There is no art today. Art has literally gone fishing. He, he was fishing hmm. when I called him this morning. Nice. I'm Webmeister Bud. I host Bud's Weekly Geek Out Wednesdays at 7.20 with Dylan and Jason in the Morning Zone, except this week because it's Canada Day. Oh, yeah. That's right. <clears throat> I'm DJ Boitano. I do the mixtape in the afternoon zone. Yeah. Nailed it, buddy. And I'm Paul Pacino, and I host that afternoon zone. And a um, couple of things before we get into anything. Oh, <laughs> Real, really quick, I want to say congratulations to Kirsten for winning our activity challenge this week. Let, let that be all we say about it. I, As I promised last week, put <laughs> the video on Instagram for her to share of congratulating her. Did you really? Yeah, of oh, course. I, was, I wouldn't have expected you to do that this week. I did. Oh. And, yeah. And um, and so good. And no, I just wanted to touch super quick, briefly about uh, from last week because um, I thought it was interesting. Uh, we w- weirdly uh, we weren't planning on it, but we got onto the topic of Joe Rogan and his whole controversy that happened last week. And um, I just want to really say quickly, although I stand by everything that we said last week, um, it's been interesting to hear both him and Bill Burr talk about how. They were just kidding about masks and how they were just trying to rile each other up and everything like that. And so they were just, you know, doing jokes, um, which is like, okay. And I thought it was – well, it was weird. Rogan, after the whole thing kind of broke last week, he had like like a real hardcore Second Amendment gun guy, which I was like, no, dude. I'm mad at you to begin with. I'm not watching this now or listening to this. Um, but then he had Jon Stewart, which was like a smart move. Huh. And and that one was really, really great. And Jon Stewart, of course, is like super smart and has a million in, incredibly important and smart things to say. And like, I mean, like, if you're going to listen to anybody, it's Jon Stewart. He is so um, grounded and smart and just knows what the hell he's talking about in every way. And they they kind of refer to it back then and there, too. But no, the thing I really wanted to mention was this is last week I mentioned something. And if I'd like to give myself a. Like a really big caboose on the Paul is right train about um, it. Well, I was I was like, the, I said something last week about how I don't much care for cancel culture, and it's interesting. Like, if anyone thought Joe Rogan was getting canceled after he signed a hundred million dollar Spotify deal, like that's silly and ridiculous, right? But I said something about like repercussions, and since then I've heard a lot more about 
consequence culture. Mm. Yes. Not not cancel culture. Mm-hmm. Consequence culture. And I, I'm like, that's the smart way to think about it. Because the person who, you know, I can say is the most politically divergent from me who I think is bad and terrible and, uh, you know, uh, like dangerous and all that stuff. Is Joe Rogan. No, no, no. (laughs) I still don't want them to lose their jobs and livelihoods. I don't want people to be canceled. But I do, and I think it is fair for people to face consequences. So in terms of, you know, it's like... As far as Joe Rogan, he had to spend a weekend of getting chirped at on Twitter. That was his consequence. Wasn't that much? You know, we'll see if anything else happens. But, like, this is across the board, and there's so much talk, and we're going to talk about Splash Mountain. People are going to try and say that that is a consequence, or rather a cancel culture thing, is that we're canceling these things. We're canceling these things because we declare them to be racist. No. Splash Mountain, maybe that's a different example, but, like, for all of these things, it's just... It's a consequence, and we're all, none of us are immune to it, and we should embrace that in our culture. Well, that's the thing. Like, there are, there are things that we do, that people do, that everybody does, that is regrettable and can be dredged up on Twitter years later or whatever and say, you're an awful, awful person or whatever, right. or you were at this point. It's not, I, I think it's, I'm not going to say it's less about what happened. It is a little bit about what happened, but I think it is more about what you do once you learn about it mm. and how you move forward with it. Yes, you know? yes. Um, yeah, like I don't know if, I don't think it's on the cue sheet, but there were more developments with the J.K. Rowling thing that we talked about a couple of weeks ago. Oh. Um, this hilarious thing happened with Stephen King. Oh, I want to know what happened about Steve, with Stephen King. He's usually pretty good. What did he do? So he like tweeted a little thing in support of her and then she was like very like oh i've loved stephen king forever and thank you so much his support means everything to me and then someone was like hey just to be clear stephen king what's going on with you and then he tweeted uh trans women are women very simply mm-hmm. and then jk rowling deleted the post of oh thing. interesting uh, and then and then unfollowed him and blocked him or something like that what oh yeah that's- yeah, very, very like, wow. okay, you know exactly what you're doing here, J.K. Rowling. Oh, um, no. So, yeah, it was a shame. But any, but anyways, so this is another good example, right? Like, you cannot uh, cancel J.K. Rowling. She's the richest author of all time, best-selling, highest, everything like that. Like, there's no canceling her. Like, what do you want for her to lose her job? But a consequence for her will be a tarnish of her legacy as we've talked about mm-hmm. as well as likely reduced book sales for her little Ichabog book that she wrote for kids and <laughs> if she writes more adult books and you know Harry Potter going forward I'll steal those books from now on you know for my children <laughs> do you know what I mean like that will be a consequence that she'll face and yeah. that's fine that's what we all ought to be doing is facing the consequences for our actions. Well, it's interesting. Jenna Marbles canceled herself. Yeah, what happened with that? Can you talk about that, bud? She, I mean, the video is long, long gone, but in 2011, so like nine years ago, she made a video and she put on blackface. That may not have been, there may may have been other things surrounding that, but that was sort of like the the main core thing. Again, gone from her playlist forever, but um, nothing is forgotten on the internet. And I think just, just in light of all that is happening, she herself made the decision to, um, you know, and I mean, it sounds 
permanent, although everybody's right for a comeback, it, although it, I mean, it just happened. And she basically, you know, apologized, said farewell, and took herself off YouTuber, you know, is not posting anymore. Wow. And that's huge. Jenna Marbles is, you know, one of the pioneering YouTubers. Yeah. And for this to happen is, I mean, lots of that kind of thing is happening. But for it to self-happen, for her to self-cancel, mm -hmm. mm -hmm. that is what's kind of um, unique uh, about about this situation. Yeah. Pretty interesting. That is interesting. I, you know, and I think it's an important thing that we all kind of shift towards because cancel culture is very divisive and it becomes like a sticking point and a cultural war point between people, you know, who are, and it just becomes more screaming at each other. Whereas I think that what we're all wanting everyone to do is not to, again, lose their livelihoods forever, but rather face up to wrong that they, we, everyone makes mistakes. We all make mistakes, every single person. Mm -hmm. uh, but exactly as you say, but it's facing that mistake, realizing a mistake, it was a mistake, apologizing if necessary and changing behaviors going forward, you know, in a meaningful way, how important and how that's what we all ought to ask of anybody. Mm -hmm. And especially in this world where we are opening up, opening ourselves up to um, non-binary <clears throat> lots of things. Right. You know, gender was the one thing that kicked it off. But this this cancel culture is very binary. Mm, you know, it's yeah. like you're a good person, one. You are a bad person, zero. That kind of thing. Yeah. There, a lot of people don't want to see the black and white. And that's what I like about this consequence culture is... Yes, consequences. Yes, learning. Yes, moving forward. Yes, proving that you can evolve beyond what you once were. Right. You know, and like yeah. very, you know, because because it's not so zeros and ones. It's, you know, there's lots of um, middle space there. Lots of you know gray between the black and the white. Absolutely. And if I can bring it back to like a, a something that's a little geekier and a little more like culture focused, like is what we talk about on this podcast. The cancel culture, the binary system that you kind of mentioned is very – that to me is is kind of like a, a relic of a past when you either had – you know, if you had a platform, you had every ear in the country. You had millions and millions and millions. You were Johnny Carson's Tonight Show with like every single person watched every night or you were nobody, right? A, a regular person. And now it's like everyone has got a platform. Whether it's a podcast with a handful of listeners like we've got, whether it's a radio program in a small town like we have, whether it's massive platforms, say like Rogan with 190 million downloads every month, or if it's just your Twitter account, which today maybe has a few dozen people and could grow into something else. But And, and that's really the, the big one that everyone has. Everyone has a social media presence. So everyone has some kind of a platform, some kind of a way to make their voice heard, and if we're going to try and deplatform or cancel these people off of these platforms or or have them fired from their jobs let's say in the real world based on things that happen online it's like we just need to be because there's so much gradient in platforms now we need to be much more nuanced in our reactions and um so that's that's just all i want to say as a follow-up to last week Oh boy, what is that? A twenty-minute intro? Thank you for and indulging me. And I am 
Kirsten James. That's what I was waiting for. <laughs> Me Thank you, Kirsten. Uh, Let no. us never change the order we do this in. <laughs> I do want to say, I do want to say about our activity challenge, Paul. Um, I haven't seen your video, but I didn't expect you to make one. Thank you, because Paul was like the most champion of sportsmanlike conduct people ever. Because I was camping this weekend, and of course my watch died. So it wasn't tracking my activity. And Paul right. came up on Saturday night. Like, he drove up. He brought chicken, which was great. Like, you deep-fried chicken from what? Lee's Chicken? Lee's Chicken and Duncan. Got to do it. Lee's Chicken. Shout out. Thank you for being a sponsor. <laughs> and, uh, and, and he wasn't wearing his watch. He took it off because he knew my watch had died. So I don't oh, really... solidarity. I That's know. so nice. And this was after I sent him pages and pages and pages of messages on Friday about how I didn't think he was burning a thousand calories doing 30 burpees. <laughs> so here's the, um, Paul being like the most sportsman, like <laughs> nicest guy ever, and me just sending like really bitchy, angry messages to him for like three hours on Friday. <laughs> wow, that's we're, crazy. We're not gonna do it, right? It's like it's gotta be fair. So yeah, and uh, <laughs> and don't worry, I definitely chirp you about that in the um, video. Oh, great! I I look forward to watching it. <laughs> yeah, good. <sighs> wow. Uh, there was no Buds Weekly Geek Out this week, so this week on Buds Weekly Geek Out, nothing, because uh, it was Canada Day. Hope it was wonderful for you. So let's just quickly run down a few things that are not coming soon, because F you, it's 2020. Um, Mulan has been delayed again to August 21th, 2020. Uh, Bill and Ted face the music. Hang on, this is on a different sheet. Give me it's my birthday. It's down. August 12th. Uh, Bill and Ted Face the Music is now August 28th. What? It was August 12th, like two days ago. <laughs> yes, because Tenet has been pushed back to your birthday on <gasps> August 12th. Oh my God, my birthday is going to save cinema? <laughs> For now, we'll see what happens in a couple yeah, we'll weeks. we'll see what happens. Yes, right now, the wow. savior of cinema is scheduled for Kirsten's birthday on August 12th. Wow. Yes. Happy birthday. Can't Thank wait to you. celebrate in a theater with you. Yeah. And we got a new trailer for Soul, which was has been delayed till November 20th, 2020. Uh, and the trailer had uh, Cody Chestnut's song. Uh, Parting ways. Anyways, yeah, things are still being delayed here and there. And it's an ever-moving target. And I'm sure next week we'll be talking about different things that have been pushed, or maybe the same things that have been pushed again. Uh, some things are still coming soon, though, uh, but not super soon. But um, I guess first thing coming up of, of what's on the cue sheet that we found this week is, I don't know if you guys watched the trailer for this Superman Man of Tomorrow. Yeah. This is an animated film that's going to come out on digital on August 23rd and physically on September 8th. Looks pretty interesting. Yeah, it does. Can I, can I just go back here? I'm going to double back real quick about these pushbacks. Um, can we just stop announcing dates, you guys, until you are ready to throw the theater doors open? And I don't, and what this is like, they are thinking in before times thoughts. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And they think that people need, you know, a, 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 like a month long lead up or whatever. Oh, right. Let me clear my schedule of all the things I need to do. Good right? call. Right? And, and it needs hype and it needs build up for anyone to go to a theater. No! We're fucking desperate to go to a movie theater. <laughs> so, just tell us when the movie's going to be. And if it's today, I'll go today. Yep. 
but like, stop this! Oh, pushback, pushback, pushback. Because, because again, too, we're even thinking of b- before times. They announce uh, the date, and it's three weeks out. Okay, I'll I'll be ready. I'll hype myself out. But that's just so easily and so flimsy. It's so easily shoved back, shoved back, shoved back. Mm-hmm. Stop doing it. Just it's sorry. The theaters are closed. Duh. So we'll let you know when we're ready to go. Actually, but stop it with this. You know, it, it's so silly. And then I want to say too about the Superman thing. Um, I did watch this trailer. It does look quite good. And it seems to me what they were trying to do is maybe even similar. Like it's it's clearly not as good or as um, as like well made as uh, Into the Spider Verse there. But I feel like in a similar way, the vibe I got from it was we're trying to show you in animation what Superman is supposed to be like so that maybe you have a template moving forward with your live action movies, you ding dongs. You know, because what I got from that Superman trailer was he's kind of affable. He's kind of pleasant. He's not too (laughs) jacked. Do you know what I mean? Like, this is the look you should be going for. This is the feel and vibe of a Superman. Mm -hmm. And it's showing the lead up to before, like, the blue and red suit. You Mm -hmm. know, he's trying different costumes. He's meeting different aliens. It's sort of, it's, I wouldn't call it a prequel, but I'd call it sort of a fill in the blanks between he crashes in the field in the Kent farm and he's flying through the sky in red and blue jumpsuit. Yeah. Um, back to theaters. Um, just locally, the Vic Theater is open. They're showing things. But what? What are they showing, though? Like, Oh, well, it's like the Gray Fox at 5 and the Painter and the Thief at 7.5. What are those? <laughs> I don't know. It's the Vic Theater. Little indie films. Yeah, know? okay, all right. Um, Landmark Cinemas, which runs uh, University Heights... Is that what it's called? The theater? University mm-hmm. Heights, I guess? Yeah. Um, they are opening some theaters on Vancouver Island on July 3rd, on Friday, but not um, that one. They'll have theaters open in Nanaimo and Port Alberni and other places in BC and across the country, but not Victoria. Ooh. And on Friday, Silver City will be starting to show <gasps> films again. Get out. Not, not the Odeon downtown and not west shore oh but so only uh, silver city only silver city bloodshot brian is the first movie Ooh. listed no yeah. great brian <laughs> sonic the hedgehog apparently the rest of the world is at that level of brian watching bloodshot right? yeah now. <laughs> it's interesting to see these movies i feel like i've been you know well i guess we have been the world's been on pause but there's bloodshot sonic the hunt the invisible man the way back i still believe and my spy those are the movies that are uh, starting to show uh, at Silver City starting Friday. So, I mean, we're getting there. Yeah, so I guess I'm not that desperate to go sit in a movie theater. <laughs> but if if they're open, yeah, then yeah. if they're open, you can get popcorn. Yes. <gasps> right. Yeah. You mm-hmm. did say you Just would take watch, it to go. you know, the most uninteresting blah on screen to eat a bunch of... You don't even have to watch anything. Just go get it and then, <laughs> yeah. and then go. Oh, I... I think you've been able to skip the dishes that for a while. That's a that's a mm-hmm. good financial yeah. investment. Yeah. Oh, I know. I've seen all of that stuff. I know people <laughs> who have skipped the dishes to get movie theater popcorn, and so I will happily hand my crown of loving movie theater popcorn the most to them because I'm not doing that. And I get yeah, and like <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I like sitting and watching a movie and eating a sack of popcorn and a half. But no, I'm not going to see these movies. 
<laughs> if you have Amazon Prime Video, Gemini Man is on uh, there now uh-huh. as of the 25th. Mm. Uh, if you have Crave, a show called Clemency is coming. Um, I'm, I'm not positive on how to say her name, but I, I love her acting. Uh, Alfred, Alfred, Alfred Woodward? Woodward? Sure. Alfred? Alfred? Yeah. Um, she's in that. Um, Drag Ball. The, um, this is a, an event surrounding uh, Toronto's uh, Drag Ball uh, event. Oh. Um, there'll be performances by 12 drag queens uh, competing in Canada's Drag Race, which will be on Crave on July 2nd. But you can also watch the drag. Uh, you can also watch Drag Ball for free on YouTube. Uh, Doctor Sleep, um, yeah. Kirsten, will be on uh, oh, Crave. Oh, very nice, great movie. As nice. as well as the second season of Doom Patrol. Wow. <laughs> It has Timothy Dalton in it, which is interesting. I watched the trailer. It's uh, it's another sort of DC, you know, collection of things, and it's live action, so it's kind of weird. And it's a spinoff of uh, DC's Titans because Titans was released like a few years back with right. like the story of Robin and Beast Boy. Yeah, and like all Cyborg's in this, which is interesting. Mm. Yeah, so uh, they had an episode where they went back to like Beast Boy's old kind of like team or or group and that was the doom patrol and then they ended up uh, that episode was so popular that they ended up spinning it off uh into their own show oh interesting they had you know very interesting characters and stuff trailer has some moments looks pretty funny alan tudyk from firefly is from like literally everything (laughs) well sure yeah but probably best known from firefly uh timothy dalton as i mentioned and uh brendan fraser yeah you don't see brendan fraser he plays like a robot Guy, I forget which character he plays, but you don't actually see him. Hmm. On Disney Plus, there's Into the Unknown, making Frozen Two. Like, oh I would God! Have to, no. I would have to <laughs> see Frozen Two to watch this. I guess I'm good. that's probably what we're going to um, start seeing a lot of. Though is just the those to tide you over the making of or whatever. We don't have any new content for you, so watch how we made this old content. <laughs> mm-hmm. Dark season three. Is yes. on Netflix. I saw a lot of hype about this. So good. So I watched the first season of Dark, um, and I haven't watched the second or third yet, but I've heard that this is it now. This is the third season. It's the final season. So I'll probably pick back up and watch the next two because the first season of Dark was so, 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 so good. If you like, you know, sci-fi and kind of um, like esoteric-y um, weird stuff going on in a small town. It's a uh, German. Oh, uh, but there there is a um, oh yes English subtitle track if you want to watch it in English. But I would de- definitely recommend like watching it in German if you can, and then reading the subtitles because just like anything, like we'll talk about the Studio Ghibli stuff um, later. Actually, that stuff's mostly in English, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, they've dubbed most of that. But, yeah. But um, the dubs, the, the acting in the dubs is not as good. And there's some very, very powerful performances in Dark that if you're not watching it in its original language, kind of get lost in the dubs. I find that with a lot of, with a lot of um, Japanese animation myself. But such a good show. So good. Definitely recommend based on the first season. <laughs> You've just reminded me that the first, my first awareness of Dark was the season two trailer. Again, I haven't watched any of it because I'm horrible at watching stuff, but it, that really drew me in. And I'm like, that's a show that I'm definitely going to put on my list of shows to forget to watch. Yeah, it's very, very, very good and very well done. And you, and the thing that I find is that a lot of the time when things have crossed over languages, it's got to be good, right? The fact that they have brought this German show to Netflix and then even dubbed 
I think there's like, it may be dubbed in six different languages. You can watch it in like French, Spanish, English. That's huge. Blah, blah, blah. Like the, the quality of the show has got to be pretty high for it to be coming over here. So yeah, I, I couldn't recommend Dark more. Another uh, thing coming to Netflix. This is a movie. The movie is called Eurovision Song Contest, colon, The Story of Fire Saga. Yes. Okay. <laughs> this is Art's dream come true, apparently. <laughs> So it's a Will Ferrell thing. It's yeah, a Will, Will Ferrell, Ferrell movie. And Rachel McAdams. Yeah. Why, why is this? Why is this um... Because like three weeks ago, Art was like, if anything good comes out of this pandemic, oh, right, of it's going to be a good, hilarious Will Ferrell movie. It looks pretty ridiculous. Like it's, it's Eurovision, you know. I, <gasps> I think I saw Graham Norton in, in here for... Sorry, some... but... Hi, oh, John! Boss Man Johnny! Hi, Boss Man, Hi, Boss Man Johnny! We love you. What up? Oh, he can't see me or hear me. Can he hear us? Yeah, I know he can't hear us, but it's I good. I can't hear you. He brought in <laughs> his musk. His cologne is overpowering the egg that oh, I'm peeling I'm in here, miss so that's that. nice. Yeah, that's nice. <laughs> you want to listen? This one only works. <laughs> you should see this egg mess, honestly. Yeah, it's God. bad. Hi, Johnny. We love you. Hi. What are we all talking about today? Come on. <laughs> let's get this old guy's opinion. <laughs> well, we're talking about Eurovision Song Contest, the story of Fire Saga, which has just come out on Netflix. What do you think about that, John? Oh, I love it. <laughs> good. Good. <laughs> and, John, can you believe that 20 Studio Ghibli films are now available on Netflix in Canada for the first time ever? That's Are you serious? Dead serious. <laughs> oh, my God. I'm going home right now. <laughs> Later, Thanks, Johnny. Bye, Johnny. Bye, bye, John. Oh, that was the um, best cameo ever. Okay, okay. Wait, going back to the Eurovision, Later. blah blah blah, and yeah. Art's dreams come true. Um, I was gonna watch. Okay, number one, do you know anything about this movie? Was it supposed to be straight to Netflix? I would assume so. I don't know, cause like, it's funny. I I saw a tease of it, which. All it was was this like musical part with like Will Ferrell and and uh, was it Rachel McAdams? Yeah, yeah. So there's like it looked like a music video between the two of them in the teaser that I saw, and I was like, "What is?" <laughs> and then uh, so I don't know. It seems like one of those things that maybe they just wanted to make directly for streaming services. Yeah, mm-hmm. it seems that way for sure. But like I, I don't know. I don't know. What to, I watched the whole trailer for it last night, and I was like. Do I watch this? I know. Am I supposed to watch this? I was the this? same. But like, <laughs> so I was going to watch it because we were talking about it at camping, and then I did the number one Kirsten thing. I went and saw how long it was. It's two hours and five minutes. Wow. Too long. Three minutes. Three minutes. It's got no business being this long. No, it doesn't. No, no. But do you guys know what the Eurovision Song Contest is? Is it a real thing? Oh. It is a real thing. Are and you it kidding is me? fucking huge. Paul, do you know what Riverdance is? Yeah. Do you know what Lord of the Dance is? Yes, I'm Lord of the Dance. Both of those things, like among a bazillion other things, but both of those things were big hits out of Eurovision. This is a talent contest. Right. How long has it been going on for? Like since the 50s. Yeah, 1956 was the first one. Oh, well, there you go. But it is huge. You have to, you have to, if you could catch a Eurovision season, like this is it giant in Europe and across the world. It's just not big here because we've got all those like fucking second, like America's got mm-hmm. talent, all that other stuff. And so it's, it's not here, but it's like a worldwide 
worldwide wow. competition and like the country different countries win it's like here are the people from france here are the people from romania right. um and so it's like they're representing a country and i think it starts with like whatever it is you know 23 countries or something and it goes down and it's just like the production value of this show is insane mm. like it is it's crazy so yeah it's actually a real thing so it's interesting that they've made this movie based on it now yeah it kind of i mean it makes sense that it's not popular here because it's simply called europe anything and the states particularly but canada too we're not interested in anything that is not super north america centric you know even if it is from around the world because it even if it's centered on europe or it uh, i mean it must be centered on europe isn't it well sometimes so it says like the eurovision song Content. It's supposed to be a world thing, but yes, Europe. Um, but there's other, like Australia's involved, and there's some other countries that get in there. Like, let's be honest, it's a surprise that the Olympics are even put on in America because it's not so pro America. But you know, I guess if they yeah, get the show um, some of, some of the winners, like like Bud was saying, like it's a it's a huge career boost, and it's so interesting that so many people in North America don't know about the show. But like some of the other winners. Um, ABBA won for Sweden one year. 1974. Celine Dion won for Switzerland, weirdly, but is she half Swiss or something? Is that how she must be? Did that? Anyway, 1988, um, she won. It's it's crazy. Like, it's a huge thing, um, but it's just like one of those things that we don't really get in North America. And now Will Ferrell has a movie about it, so now we will. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Will Ferrell is bringing it to us. So, Amazing. but again, like, is this going to be good? Do you guys think? Like, does it look? I'm interested. Now, it's great to see Rachel McAdams again. Like, I well, was like, and so mm-hmm. there's obviously going to be singing and performing in it, and yeah. it's going to be a comedy. And I think there will be a little bit of education for the non-Euros about Eurovision, really. But I super agree with Kirsten. There's no way that needs to be two hours long. I don't care how many mm-hmm. celebrity cameos mm-hmm. or any of that stuff is in it. That is wild to me. And. I don't know. I don't think Will Ferrell has really had, let's be honest, sorry, Art. <laughs> he hasn't really had a hit since, can you guys remember, what was the last Will Ferrell movie you loved? The Lego movie. No. no. Um, like Step Step Brothers? Was there one after Step Brothers? I don't know if there was one after Step Brothers. Yeah, like the, the one that he did with uh, um, John C. Riley, the, the Sherlock Holmes and... Watson, that was like, yeah, it got oh, panned. It was yeah. like the worst movie ever made. Oh, Holmes and Watson, yeah. So, even his name, like, yeah, because yeah, like right. he, wow. it used to be that like Will Ferrell would be in a movie and everybody would go see it because he was the like after Anchorman and all that stuff. Like he was the name for comedy movies. Um, but uh, yeah, couldn't really, you know, keep that up. You know, he made some poor choices, I guess. Yeah, that's interesting. I'm just looking at his. I'm looking at his list. Like Talladega Nights was 2006, See, uh, Blades those. of Glory 2007, Semi Pro 2008. Same with Step Brothers. And then after that, we've got things like Land of the Lost, Megamind, you know, Anchorman sequel, the Lego Movie stuff, Zoolander, like sequels and stuff. Then Holmes and Watson, sort of the next big original thing, and that was 2018. So there's mm-hmm. been yeah a bit of a gap for Will Ferrell. Maybe he's been working on Funny or Die stuff. It could be that, yeah, because certainly yeah. He, you know he's kind of the the big cheese behind that isn't he like him and who is it adam mckay mm-hmm. adam mckay yeah. yeah 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 and that's i mean that's a reasonable thing that he's kind of 
spreading himself thin over various projects and wanting to be more of a producer, I don't, whatever, all that stuff. Is, that's great and fine. And it's weird because he is still hilarious. Like, he's very clearly a very keen comic, comic mind, mm-hmm. but, you know, if you listen to him on podcasts and things like that, it's just like he's really funny, but I, for some reason, I don't know, it's just not translating into movies anymore, not like it used to. I mean, I'll probably put it on. I mean, I'll probably watch it, like, whatever. Yeah. But... Yeah, I don't know where this movie... I, I kind of... Like, my conspiracy theory is that studios are kind of stoked with COVID because they've got all this shit that they didn't know how to market and they didn't know where to put it. So they're like, ooh, oh. direct to video, direct to Netflix. like uh, Sort of this B-list amount of content. Yeah, like, uh, maybe I'll review and recommendation later, but I watched the um, You Should Have Left movie that oh, was yeah. being, like, real marketed and, like, that falls in that category that I'm just like, I feel like maybe the studio didn't know what to do with this and now this is kind of their saving grace that they're like, oh, direct-to-video release. You guys aren't watching anything else. Here you go. That is head and shoulders the most reasonable COVID-related conspiracy theory I've ever heard, Kirsten. Well done. (laughs) And, um, yeah, I I was going to say, maybe we ought to, let's do it as homework even, and then we can kind of talk about it. It's it's interesting because that's the only reason why I would think to click play at this point. Because, like, I, again, I've been binge watching The Office and I'm back on now, like, season four. Mm -hmm. And then that thing comes up as the big banner. And I'm like, "Mm, now, Office, you know? (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah. I'll I'll definitely do that. Yeah, I'll I'll definitely do it as sort of homework for this podcast. But it seems like that's the only context for which I would hit play on that. All right. Well, let's do it then. Yeah, because we could be wrong. We could, like, this could be the best thing ever. So, who knows? Maybe it'll be great. Yeah. 20 films from Studio Ghibli, uh, mostly led by Hayao Miyazaki, uh, have finally come to Canada. I won't list them all, but Castle in the Sky, probably the one most people would know, My Neighbor, my neighbor Totoro, uh, Kiki's Delivery Service, Princess Mononoke, my personal favorite, Spirited mm-hmm. Away, Howl's Moving Castle, Ponyo, The Secret World of Arietti. Um For those who know deeper into the catalog, Grave of the Fireflies is... I was going to ask if Grave of the Fireflies was on there. Yeah, no, it's not on this list, and there's been no official word about uh, about if it's coming. Good. We don't need Grave of the Fireflies (laughs) right now. That is not the movie anyone wants to watch. Why? What's it about? Honestly, yes, valid point. Oh, my God, Paul. It just tears your heart out, gut-wrenching movie. Like... Ugh, uh, uh, uh. Um, quote unquote the last uh, Ghibli film that was to come out I went to theaters to see this it's called The Wind Rises um, sort of a it was a nice it was a cool film uh, plane based you know it follows sort of your usual um, your usual Miyazaki and Ghibli plot that's coming August 1st but yeah otherwise you got 20 new movies to watch on Netflix from Studio Ghibli which is pretty great so they, have none of these ever been available? Like, I know you weren't here last week when I just, like, shouted it out, and thank God I said Ghibli and not Ghibli. <laughs> just like, did I say that right? Um, yeah, G- Studio Ghibli. But thank you for, for, thank you for shouting those out, because I, I knew they were coming, but I'd forgotten when it was, and I remembered when you said it. So does – have these ever been available on streaming services anywhere in North America before? I believe they have been available in America, hmm. not in Japan, and this oh, is the okay. first time in Canada. They have all, many of them have been available for like purchase 
on iTunes and Google Play uh, since December, but this right here and now is the first time we're getting them on a streaming service in Canada. So this is huge news. Cool. And and I'll, I'll ask you, but I would say like I'm probably not as big of a Studio Ghibli fan as you, but I, I've seen many of these movies and I would say if anyone's interested or curious and you haven't watched any of them and which one would you watch first, I would say either Spirited Away or Princess Mononoke are amazing. Princess Mononoke is my personal favorite, but I think Spirited Away really captures your core, mm-hmm. um, you know, your core Miyazaki. Because um, a lot of them can be kind of similar in their, you know, yes. little girl, old witch, uh, spiritual creature, that kind of thing. Um, <laughs> little girl, old witch, spiritual Pretty creature. Yep. Sorry. <laughs> Talking fire, you know. Yep. Um, but yeah, so, <laughs> Spirited Away is a fantastic movie with a lot of great... Um, a lot, a lot of great everything, you know, mm-hmm. characters and writing and plot. The animation in there is beautiful. The music as well. Um, and yeah, I haven't checked any of these out, so I'd be curious to know if they are, um, if they are available subbed. I presume most of these are going to be dubbed. Well, it, it'll be interesting to see about Spirited okay. Away. I haven't seen it yet. That was one of my introductions to Studio Ghibli films. Um, and I'm, I'm like, I'm like Kirsten. I'm sort of a casual watcher. Not so much like my wife. Uh, watched it quite a bit. In fact, they watched a bunch of it this weekend. Um, but I remember when Spirited Away came out, I was working at a video store uh, and it came out on DVD here in Canada. Um, and it was new, though. Spirited Away is, is older, isn't it? Spirited Away comes from... Like what year was that made? 2001. 2001. Okay, so like when it was released here in Canada, I remember the version that we had, like and it, there was like, it, it was this big thing that John Ratzenberger ended up voicing either voicing or revoicing one of the characters in spirited away yeah yeah he's no face, really which it's a great right. character actually mm-hmm. yeah it's interesting the the history of dubs as well um my name of Totoro came out in i guess it's 89 and so of course it was dubbed over in 89 by streamline pictures which i could go off on a tangent about them and the english dub of akira <laughs> um but huh. there was another dub in 2004, when the rights expired and new actors were brought in. And so, A, I'm curious to know which dub it's going to be on Netflix, because there's always going to be controversy from older fans and newer fans uh, as to, you know, the English, the English dubs. And so, yeah, I'm curious to know what vocal tracks we're going to be able to get and uh, if we can get the original, the Japanese as well. Anyway, let's talk about these actors on actors interviews. <laughs> this is this is kind of following the podcast where Paul went off on all these things. I'm tired of seeing people in their homes, <laughs> what their backgrounds look like. I hate them. <laughs> I, yeah, I know. I saw I saw you send this out. And I was like, I will watch zero seconds of this. In fact, I wish I could remove the screenshot from my brain. I don't care about it. <laughs> horrible. <laughs> so this was brought up because there was an interview and it's it's just the two actors so they're kind of interviewing each other, uh, Chris Evans and Paul. Yeah, Rudd. this is the lazy thing now too is they don't actually have like content producers or writers uh, yeah to actually do the interviews. It's like let's just get these actors actors to interview each other. Let's knock this You're out. Right, it is lazy, but it's, uh, it's pretty good. Yeah, so they were talking about um, their more recent films and then they covered some Marvel stuff uh, at the end. Um, yeah, and only slightly awkward in, you know, audio quality and, and jitteriness and latency and whatnot. I, I found the, the whole thing overall pretty 
engaging as I had it on in semi background as I was honestly as I was prepping this cue I thought theirs was tough though because like theirs I found they talked over each other the most out of all the ones that we have on the cue sheet they're the ones that they had maybe some sort of latency in in their internet connections or whatever that like chris evans would start talking and then paul rudd would talk over him and then they would kind of do that whole but uh, and then eventually they just was like screw it i'm just gonna keep talking brian just you describing this is making my blood boil out of my ears (laughs) oh no Uh! You can't. <sighs> but as a as a geek, though, are you so, like as are we so I think, vain? <laughs> no, that's nothing. To, oh my god, man! I think as a geek, though, it, it was fun to see or, or have them talk about some of the behind the scenes event, like stories from the MCU, like when you know they they first signed on and they 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 first met each other on set and stuff. So it is a fun read if you like, even if you don't like watch the video uh there's like a variety article that has kind of like the the script it's got words you can read with your eyes paul which makes it better yeah and then you can just even find the words that say mcu or marvel and then read about those parts i watched another one with patrick stewart and henry cavill and i don't know if it's because patrick stewart was tired or is old or had done a really long thing the day before <laughs> but it was it was less awkward because it was it was just more one person talking than another person talking, and um, they were very curious of and respectful toward each other. I found it to be actually a really endearing interview, and I was surprised that I got through most all of it. Why are they paired? What 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 did they, did they do something together? Or they did work together many many moons ago. Right. Um, there was a lot of information, and I can't remember what exactly. Um, but yeah, Henry Cavill. Uh, auditioned for something uh, for Patrick Stewart and his audition did not go as well as he wanted and he actually asked his way back to audition again oh. and got it. Oh. Yeah. Huh. Pretty clever. Interesting. Thought he like stepped into the wrong Zoom chat and was like, wait, you're, you're, you're not Logan. <laughs> <laughs> Every time. <laughs> oh my God. Um, okay. Yeah, listen, do, I, I'm confused. I forget. Mm-hmm. Do we not have more talk shows than ever before in history? Do we not have a colossal, overblown, bloated, too many a talk show promotional apparatus more thriving and constant than ever <laughs> that we need? Now these fucking jackasses got to sit down and talk to each other? Come on, you guys. Here's the thing. And I, you know, yeah. Variety Studio Actors on Actors has been going since 2014. It's just they're, they're doing it now, Zoomy. Awful. <laughs> and and I'd be more upset about it, Paul, uh, at, like uh, as upset as you, if a lot of them weren't really doing it for charity because like there they have obviously they they have an audience for for some of these things but like yeah a lot of these are like charitable things like the 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 reading of james and the giant peach that uh taika waititi did uh for for roald dahl uh that's all for charity it's right and it's not like on demand you can only watch it if if but they're like they're they're creating content for the people that are bored during covid times but also you know, encouraging them to to donate, and the same thing with um, whatever that Josh Gad one and uh, that he's doing. I believe that one he's doing for charity as well. Mm-hmm. 
So I would be a little bit more mad about it if, you know, if they're just all doing it for the sake of being vain. But I don't think it's just that. Yeah, well, now you make me look like a monster, Brian. But also, (laughs) (laughs) I, I just... Yeah, the whole the whole entire thing I I dislike. And interestingly, not to blow smoke up of our own prom- profession's ass, but I actually interestingly heard a prominent podcaster who I won't name again in this podcast. But talking about how <laughs> again, <laughs> yeah. Talking about how like it actually took a long time to figure out how to do interviewing or this or talking and how he kind of uh, underestimated what it was to be a radio host turned into podcast host, whatever. And it actually does take a lot of repetitions. It takes a lot of experience, a lot of just kind of learning it to kind of a lot of practice and to be able to do it at a high level. And there just exist so many other people who are doing it already that again, it's just like, why do we need now to sit two actors? And by the way, this deification of actors to begin with is dumb. These are beautiful people who are good at memorizing. That's it and pretending, you know, and now to sit down and to sit two of them down together. And I know we all watch talk shows, but to sit them down and, and now I got to interview each other and they are going to mine stories from each other that are better. Like for instance, again, too, like, uh, so Rob Lowe just launched a podcast on Conan O'Brien's podcast network, and it's like, why? Just have Conan O'Brien talk to Chris Pratt. <laughs> what do I need Rob Lowe to do it for? Rob Lowe's not good at this. Rob Lowe doesn't have 30 years of learning how to be an interviewer or interesting in storytelling. Mm-hmm. Get Conan to talk to Rob Lowe and then get Conan to talk to Chris Pratt. Like, why? Why, 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 why? Do their own thing. Everyone's so bored. Good talk. Good talk. Take a painting! So, Hugh Jackman and Anne Hathaway interviewed each other on Actors on Act... Oh, okay. I don't think... (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. Sorry. You can talk more about it and I'll shush now. Honestly, I didn't watch it. Does anybody else want to talk about it? No. There was so many, though. There's like that. uh, They had a Ferris Bueller's Day Off reunion. That was another Gad Um, one, right? That that one was the Josh Gad Mm -hmm. one, yeah. Yeah, and that one was like a few days ago. Um, it, I was kind of interested to see what they all look like now, but I was like, eh. "Are we so vain?" <laughs> he wanted to see what Sloan Sabbath looked like. Yeah, of course, I'm in love with Sloan, but uh, but no, all of them too. I mean, I, I kind of know because I have seen obviously what Matthew Broderick has grown up to look like, as well as the guy who played uh, Cameron because he was. In, he was in Spin City, I think. Is he older. was in a bunch of things, yeah. Yeah, he's in a ton of stuff. So, But but all of them at this point, what they look like. But, you know, a picture will do. A little quick Google search. So, no, I'm not watching Josh Gad fillet them. <laughs> One of those BuzzFeeds. You won't, you won't believe what they look like now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> scroll. <laughs> scroll, scroll. Polly, why don't you talk about Margot Robbie and Christina Hudson and um, Pirates? Oh, yes. Okay, so this is interesting. <laughs> oh. um, Pirates. Yeah. So we've been talking about for a while now how Disney wants to move on with Pirates of the Caribbean, but not with Johnny Depp. And it was announced uh, last week that they are going to do another whole spinoff. So this is separate from the ones we've been talking about before, because we've been talking about, what's her name, Gilead? 
who plays um, Nebula? Oh, Karen Gilliam. Yeah. <laughs> Gilead. <laughs> yeah. Close. I was like, is that a pirate's character? <laughs> I now draw Gilead. Shink! <laughs> <laughs> it's a sword. <laughs> Um, so, so, uh, so they're talking about her and, and that being a franchise. So they're not like stopping that or this isn't replacing that. This is separate. And additionally to that, that, uh, Ro- Margot Robbie will be starring in a Pirates of the Caribbean movie as well. Oh. Um, written by the woman who wrote her, uh, in Birds of Prey. Oh, cool. So different Stories, different characters, same universe. Mm-hmm. I like it. Yeah, I mean, be interesting it's a- though, because like I, I see what's happening here. Oh, is that they're going to make all these different pirate movies and like, oh, this is kind of a, you know, going to be in the same universe but a different story, and then they're going to do a pirate cinematic universe. Oh no! Or something. Oh, no. Don't you see no. that? Like, that, don't even say it. It, it seems oh. like that's what they're going to do. Yeah, but who knows? I, I'm interested. I mean, like, Margot Robbie is great at pertinent everything she does, so it'll be neat to see what her take on a pirate character will be. Um, yeah, I for some reason, I was more excited about Gilead, who... I, I can't remember her first name. Um, Karen. Karen Gilead. Yeah, Gilead. thank you. I was more excited about her as a pirate, and now I am worried that the two of them are going to be like competitive in a weird way or like trying to differentiate from each other which will have them make maybe bad choices that they wouldn't have made before so Mm. um but i mean i am interested to see what happens i i think especially with the casting choices like kirsten i want to know what you think about that particular writer because i haven't seen birds of prey yet i know you have um, I want to know what you think of how she'll do of writing this thing because it did need some fresh blood, certainly from a writer's perspective. But I think a massive, massive part of the success of those movies was Johnny Depp. And particularly from the beginning, his take on what a pirate could be to be an interesting character and not was just a bunch of yar and shiver me timbers. He combined as a character actor his, you know, he said it a million times. Pepe Le Pew and um, Keith Richards, because pirates were like the rock star of the age, you know, going from port to port, and he mixed in a little bit of his Hunter S. Thompson caricature. So, if I may, Johnny Depp basically rebooted the pirate character, yes. as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, and then to ground it, you had, um, oh fuck, Orlando Bloom. No. No, yeah, Orlando Bloom doing a bit of a Harold Harold Flynn thing. Yeah, no, no, um, as Barbosa. Oh, Jeffrey Rush. Yeah, Jeffrey Ooh. Rush doing doing a very classic Yar Shiver Me Timber style pirate, which was good to have. But if that was the whole movie, you'd be like, nah, boring, bad. So, so I, I think a lot of you know a lot of that is to Johnny Depp credit and he you know obviously and I, we've talked about this before too when the producers were like what are you doing what's why are you do making him like this why are you making him gay they thought right so like all this stuff that ended up being and making it the most successful one of the most successful franchises in history so so a lot of that comes to these actresses and how they play the characters and how they decide to create them it goes to the costume choices it goes to the 
everything, the way they talk and behave and all that stuff. And those are all actor choices. Um, so, yeah, Kirsten, what about this writer? Do you think what you saw in Birds of Prey translates well to a Pirates movie? You know what? I can't remember now what my main gripe with Birds of Prey was, but I have a feeling that my main gripe was the writing, unfortunately. Oh. <laughs> uh, because I remember thinking, like, visually it looked great and the choreography was amazing and there was lots of great things with it. But I feel like I remember not loving the writing. And I also didn't love Margot Robbie's choice of her accent, right? Right. So but I, she's not going to be in that accent. Well, you never know, no. right? Like, maybe <laughs> she's going to be like a pirate from the Bronx. I don't know. <laughs> from the, like, yeah, Brooklyn or the Bronx. <laughs> like, Bronx pirate. Um, but... I think it's interesting. Um, it sounds like they're doing like maybe like an all female re- reboot based on like Karen Gillian, Gil- Gibbian, Gibbons, Gibbons Monkey, and uh, I don't know, and uh, Margot Robbie. Um, but I think that they could be cool pirates. Like I'd love to see Margot Robbie's take on a pirate mm. and Karen Gillian. Like they're both great actresses. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, Birds of Prey, like, I feel like she does have the writing chops to pull off a Pirates movie, but I just don't remember being super impressed with the writing, but I don't know if that was all of my issues with Birds of Prey. Bit of Marvel news for a moment. It seems that J.K. Simmons has already filmed his next MCU appearance. Mm -hmm. The article that you sent, Brian, which had the last couple minutes of Spider-Man Far From Home in it, uh, really brought me back and really reminded me how impactful that uh, the ending of that movie was. Um, And now I'm all nervous again for Tom Holland's Spider-Man and, well, I guess the general existence of Spider-Man too, but uh, Mm -hmm. or Spider-Man comma as well. But yeah, funny. It's good to know because J.K. Simmons bit that was a perfect casting that they didn't have to be like okay well we already had jk simmons as j jonah jameson uh in the previous spider-man movies the amazing spider-man series didn't have a j jonah jameson Mm -hmm. um and we're we're gonna try to recast this one let's just go with what works you know it wasn't broken thank goodness so yeah so it's it's cool that they're actually committing to this hell yeah and it doesn't need to be a big part it doesn't even need to be as big as he was in the original raimi spider-man movies no, I would I would be cuz like the Ultimate Spider-Man series always mainly just had J Jonah Jameson showing up as that kind of uh newscaster on the side screen of that big building in Manhattan. Um yeah. and that was just it. And I think they they picked the perfect way to sort of introduce that as kind of like that, um, oh shoot, what's the name of the guy? The the guy that Alex uh, Jones info, yeah, works, sort of like know. that Alex Jones type character who does those things, and he just you know his his um, you know he just shows up you know wherever in video form though, because yeah. that was what the, the daily the, the evolution of the Daily Bugle in sort of mm-hmm. the Ultimate comic series is that it was like the Daily Bugle TV or whatever. Oh really? Was, yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah, that's interesting. And I remember at the time, even too, we were like, oh, what a great, interesting, modern, good choice, you know, mm-hmm. to put this, this like, uh, guy who, like, is kind of a crackpot, you know, is screaming about bring me Spider Man and all that. Um, yeah. It, it made perfect sense. And to put him on camera and everything, and then to draw the, like, real world um, parallel to Alex Jones. But I wonder going forward if it'll be the, it'll be that again, because, 
I mean, Alex Jones now is like all the way to villain practically. <laughs> Do you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. Like mm. he is he his that that type of journalism now. It's like even a couple of years ago was still like okay, it was a thing, and it's doing this and it's doing that. But like now, it's like oh, this is a colossal detriment to society, and it needs to be snuffed out. I mean, it's generally. What the vibe is, you know what I mean? Like it's seen as a real actual danger versus like a kind of a, you know, yeah. crackpotty hokiness thing. So, but I mean, uh, yeah, still, I mean, there's plenty of, look at, actually, there are a ton of people kind of across the broad spectrum of broadcasters who kind of have copied Alex Jones's look. So, mm-hmm. you know, depending on what he's screaming into the microphone, I'm sure it'll be actually be fine. In either case, though, like it makes sense to do it like that because they're trying to make it yeah. sort of grounded in now and in reality. And yes. obviously, it really wouldn't be that realistic if he was this newspaper editor that has still <laughs> that much of an effect on people's opinions. Nobody reads newspapers anymore. Sorry, guys. <laughs> <laughs> well, I haven't done one of these yet. Speaking of mm-hmm. bit part villains. Uh, Jurassic World will apparently bring um, Dr. Lewis Dodgson back. Uh, new actor, though. Was, oh, yeah. They can't have we, the other actor. Do you know the name of the original actor? Cameron Thor. They can't bring him back because he is a uh, uh, sec- uh, convicted sex offender. Oh, oh, no! There is that. Yeah, he did uh, He did some bad sex touching to oh. uh, a child or something. Oh, no! What the hell? So they're bringing in another guy. Whose own name also starts with Cam, Campbell Scott. Why? <laughs> why bring the character back or why recast him? I think we went over why recast him. Oh, yeah, good idea to recast him. But no, why bring this character back if you're mm-hmm. not just going to have the. Like, it's such a winky, nostalgia, stupid <laughs> thing, anyways. Like, remember Dodgson from that one scene in the original movie? Like, come See, nobody the fuck cares. <laughs> nobody get right, that whole thing. Great, great scene in the original, but like. Are we so desperate of mining for nostalgia that it's like, well, we already used Goldblum. Um, can we get the original Barbersol can from that? No, it's not available. <laughs> oh, no. Okay. Yeah. How, oh, and, uh, oh, and uh, Newman died. So, oh, I know, Dodgson. They're going to try to on. still work in. Uh, uh, uh. You didn't say the magic word. Jeez. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Which, after Kean watched Jurassic Park for the first time, that's what he kept saying to me. Is, uh, uh, uh. Um, but he was, uh, the, this guy, Lewis Dogson, he was a character in like the Michael Crichton novel, and I think a little bit more significant than they gave, like, of a role than what they gave him in Jurassic Park. So right. maybe his character has some form of, you know, he, he actually can affect the plot a little bit more. Right. Obviously, cannot get the uh, original guy. Yeah. Have y'all ever any of y'all read the Jurassic Park book? Yeah, I've read the first two. Oh, how are they? They're good. They're, I mean, I love Michael Crichton. I think he's a really good uh, writer. So, like, yeah, like Jurassic Park was he was he Sphere too? And oh, maybe. Uh, yeah, and there's a couple other ones by him. Really good. I I actually just borrowed a book called uh, Pirate Latitudes that he wrote. That- oh. Yeah, and I'm excited. I haven't started reading it because I'm reading something else, but um, I'm kind of into it. But I tried to read Jurassic Park when I was a kid. I don't know if I was like in high school or just afterwards, but I, it was like too hard for me for some reason. Like it gets really sciencey at mm-hmm. a certain point, and I just totally punked out and abandoned it. I think oh. I was I was a little bit too young when I tried 
um, yeah. and then it, a, a bit of it went over my head. So. Yeah. So, but a, fr- a friend of mine uh, loves Jurassic Park so so much, and I noticed recently that she was reading it, so that kind of inspired me to like maybe try and uh, try it again. Yeah, it's really good. But, I, I don't remember it being really sciencey, but mm. I'm I am a little bit of like a science nerd, so I don't know. Maybe I think when like the or original maybe. Jurassic Park came out, like I think I was like twelve or thirteen or something. The movie. Yeah. When did oh, it come yeah. out? Like ninety six. 1990. 92. Oh, sorry. The oh, 90. book was 90. Sorry. And the movie was maybe 92. I, I remember the same, Brian. Yeah. We're the same age almost. But like, yeah, it came out the exact perfect time for me that I, you know, was a kid into dinosaurs and was, but just old enough to, you know, handle the scary parts. Mm-hmm. And it, oh, it was a mind blowing, game changing experience, you know, of watching a movie in a theater. But also it, like that movie, I mean, how many times do I have to say it holds up and is still a gold standard of all kinds of movies? Yeah. But um, yeah, I'd be interested to take a crack at the book again. Yeah, it's really good. It, like Michael Michael Crichton. Um, sorry, it was Sphere that he wrote. He also wrote Congo. Right, um, Congo. Right. Yeah, and uh, I don't know. There's a bunch of other other stuff in here that he did, but uh, he great writer. Yeah, definitely read some of his books. Unfortunately, um, passed away. So, oh, he did. Yeah, he died of um, he died of something like weird. He died pretty young. Mm. He was like in his sixties. Yeah, he had lymphoma and he died in two thousand and eight at the age of sixty six. I want to like work out Michael Crichton in my brain, and Kirsten, you're helping me do this a bit right now. But like, I want him to be a cooler author because I, I right now I have him like in the Grisham category. Like, oh it's no, very... he's way cooler than Grisham. Like Michael yeah, Crichton right? is so cool. Um, it's not a bunch of dad author book. I don't think he's a dad author book at all. Like okay, um, good. Yeah, I think he's he has he has an MD from Harvard. Uh-huh. Um, so that's kind of cool. Like you know, that's I guess why he gets kind of sciency in some of right. the things. He was the uh, I am obviously on his Wikipedia page. I don't just know this. He uh, created ER, the television series. Oh wow! Did you know that? Mm. Good for him. Um, Paul, you want to take us through undergrads? I've never seen this. Oh! <gasps> Whoa! <laughs> Whoa! Sounds like sounds like Kirsten has. Brian, you seen undergrads? No, no, I haven't. That's what? Oh dear. If, if fucking Art... Oh, no, of course he wouldn't see it. It's not on Peachtree. I was going to say, if Art was here, if you ever had, like, MTV on in your house... Yeah. Like, or much music, like, this show was on it. Oh, so good. Oh. <laughs> yeah, uh, talking about, again, uh, perfect timing. Th- this show seemed to be on right when I was, like, at, at the end of high school and yes. <laughs> into college. So it was, like, the perfect time for that as well. Um, and it, I remember it being on late at night... Kirsten, it was like on. It was like a Teletune, or maybe it was much music. Yeah, it was on like Teletune. Yeah, and MTV, yeah. but yeah, both. Yeah, and it's a pretty good little cartoon. It didn't last very long, um, but it had this like depiction of this dude going to college, and yeah, it was pretty like. I wouldn't say it was. Uh, it wasn't raunchy or anything like that. Like, uh, like in some ways, it was quite tame. It was like a, you know, the the elementary or high school version or middle school version of what it was like in college because they they obviously alluded to him trying to pick up girls or meet mm-hmm. girls or hook up with girls or whatever but like 
you know, it was it was much less graphic even than Big Mouth now, which is it was, like well, set. it was two thousand one. Times times were different. Mm. This was like coming out at the time as like like American Pie and like all of those like college right. coming of age movies. Like it right, was just right. the the right time. Yeah, um, but incredibly tame by comparison yes. is all I mean in terms of content. Yeah, yeah, a hundred percent. Anyway, the headline is undergrads bombed in the U.S. Twenty years later, it's making a comeback thanks to Canada. Yeah. And so what is it going to be on Netflix bot or something like that? Checking. I don't know. Or, or they're going to make new episodes maybe. But anyways, if you can find the originals, like it's not a long run. I think they maybe got one short season out. Yep. And um, I, I'm not going to say like I remember this and Clone High kind of went hand oh, in hand. Clone High. I oh, feel like Clone High. Sure. I feel yeah. like this is not as the highest of quality as, as oh, Clone no. High was, but not nearly. But yeah, yeah you're no, right. Exactly. One season canceled, like. But it, you know, and so like if you're gonna watch either one of the two for that amount of nostalgia, I would say Clone High. But but undergrads did. And like there were a bunch of like a ton actually of Star Wars references I remember in it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, one somebody there clearly was super into Star Wars. So, so yeah, it's like it's kind of I guess it would be well worth a little rewatch. And uh, how great that it's coming back. Yeah, and maybe that's why is because Teletoon seemed to prioritize it and put it on at the right time at night. You know, versus if it bombed in the states, who knows what? You know, it was on MTV when overnight. Who knows, right? Yeah didn't work maybe they had it on in prime time because they were actually producing it well guess what no one fucking watches mtv in prime time or wasn't then (laughs) not for a cartoon certainly so i don't know so in 2018 the creator of the show pete williams finally got the rights back to the show um so he's planning another six uh six and a half hour season um because a movie oh and a movie also seemed possible he made a kickstarter with a goal of thirty thousand dollars it raised $115,000. Wow. So wow. now they're working on the script. The Kickstarter is only meant to cover pre-production costs. Um, but uh, so, yeah, they're going to be working on a movie. They like it out by 2021, but it's probably more likely 2025. Cool. Disney, Splash Mountain, No More Song of the South. Mm-hmm. Anybody see Song of the South? No, of course no. not. <laughs> <laughs> it's never been officially available I don't think since the 60s when it came out. Um, I've seen it. My, yeah, um, I've seen it too. It was many, many years ago. Wow. Yeah, I used to own this. Like, uh, we used to have these VHS copies when we were a kid of like Disney Sing Along. Yeah. And um, me too. So the one that I had was like the Zippity Doodah. Yeah. And it, uh, you know, had the, yeah. So I uh, remember seeing Zippity Doodah and it's like, oh, cool. It's like, you know, a guy and he's got an animated bird with him and stuff. <laughs> And but you never so, saw, that was it though, right? Like I saw that too. Everyone seems to have seen those sing-alongs, but you haven't seen the actual movie, have no, you? No, I've seen Song of the South. Yeah, it was one of those ones though that like it, like I was much older and then I ended up just looking it up. Oh, like you like, bootlegged it. Yeah, because like I remember the song. Oh. Everybody remembers Zippity Doodah, but it was like I never remembered like or knew the reference to that, like where that song was from and stuff. And so it's it was just, just a Disney song. Yeah, yeah, so I was just very curious. Right. Um I, it's like the thing with that song or with with that movie it's it's not necessarily like it, the re- it, it doesn't hold up now and the reason why Splash Mountain is 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 changing it now is because it's it's kind of the same thing as like sort of like Aunt Jemima Uncle Ben all that kind of stuff it's just mm. it, it's not 
I guess, right for the time. Yeah. Very outdated reference. Yeah. The, but like the movie itself, Song of the South, yeah. because uh, Song of the South is, I guess what they say is like, it kind of glorifies sort of the master-slave relationship a little bit. Um, mm. It doesn't have anybody in blackface or anything like that. No, um, so... Yeah, so so so, Kirsten is gonna go on a. Kirsten did a ton of research, and I'm, yeah, it's true. They 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 did. It's like a little a little bit too romanticized, but it's it's yeah. actually yeah. it's supposed to and officially takes place post slavery. Mm-hmm. Um, and I and this is the whole thing about Song of the South, and I want to hear the history lesson from Kirsten, but I, I, I first let me just say that like it's interesting that this. Yeah, you're right. There's like nothing super duper inherently like bad and very racist about this movie from what i can tell i again i haven't seen it but i've read a lot about it um it's just it like and and they knew this since the 80s and beyond mm-hmm. they were like it's just a little cringy it just it could have could have been better and it's a little too favorable a look at the time in the south right after slavery yeah. Um, and that's the whole thing, and and that's why it and that's why it hasn't been released. That's why recently they were like, it will never be released. Like Iger, I think, has said that. I come out really hard yes. and said that. But and but yeah, for a long time too, they just weren't willing to give up Zippity Doodah because it was such a massive moment for Disney. And that's that's where I want to go with Kirsten. Yeah, so it's really interesting. Um, back in November. When I went to Disneyland, um, and right before Disney Plus came out, I think we talked about Song of the South, because I think you brought it up, Brian. You were like, ooh, is Song of the South going to be on there? Yeah. And I was like, what the fuck is this movie that I've never heard of? Um, So I looked up Song of the South, and I actually had no idea that Splash Mountain was based on this movie until Why I looked you? it up. Why would but anybody? Loosely, because yeah. like they they don't have um they don't have like Uncle Remus character in there. They no. just have those like well they have Disney, the Briar the, Fox and Briar yeah bear and then the and bear like, and yeah and the the rabbit and it's and in critter like critter country part of Disney. So mm. I just thought it was like a I thought because you know back in the day when Disneyland was created, like these rides weren't necessarily based on movies like they are now, right? They yeah. just made like they made Tomorrowland, they made Adventureland, they made Critter Country. So or I maybe didn't... it was based on something that we had no idea about, like Mr. Toad's Wild Ride. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> hey, I like Mr. Toad's Wild Ride. <laughs> Me too. And I love the ride, but I've never seen a Mr. Toad movie or like, oh my, yeah, right? Oh, yeah, what? Is... You just when you're there, you just assume it's from something you've never seen. It is like mm-hmm. super. Super so antiquated, and yeah. you're just so like it, fun flog flog ride. Or, I mean, flume ride, log ride, flume ride, wild toads, Mister Ride. <laughs> yeah. So, so anyway, so I, I actually looked weirdly looked this up like way back in November when we were first talking about Disney Plus and this movie, and yeah, just to get, Paul's kind of touched on it already, but essentially the badness of this movie. It was released in 1946, mm-hmm. and the reason why it's a little bit icky and a little bit bad, or a lot icky and a lot bad, is that um, the movie is set on a plantation in the U.S. in Atlanta, and. And it's it's never specifically said, but it really seems like this movie is taking place before the American Civil War when slavery was still legal. And the reason why 
this is really bad is because they have the, the, the plot of the movie is there's this little kid and he comes down from, I don't know, New York or something to visit his grandparents for the summer, right? It's one of mm-hmm. those movies. And he's like, I don't want to go to my grandparents' house. And then he meets like this nice guy and they have fun and cartoons and stuff. That's the plot <laughs> of the movie. But the, the reason why it's bad is the guy that he meets is Uncle Remus. So he is this black guy living on the plantation. And because there's no mention of slavery, because there's no mention of anything that's going on, because there's no specific mention of the time, it's very romanticized and it looks like Uncle Remus is happy to be a slave living on this plantation. And that is what's very bad about it is that they, they don't specifically say what time it is. And even if it is after the, um, abolition of slavery, it's still really bad because it makes it seem, it romanticizes it. Like, oh, Uncle Remus was a slave, but now he's free. But look, he's so happy. He's still living on the plantation. It was fine. Slavery was okay. So that is the whole controversy of the movie. And it's really interesting to me, too, that this was even realized in the 50s and 60s. Yeah, it it got Mm -hmm. actually when it was reviewed, it actually got sort of mixed reviews from even the, you know, um, you know, black movie reviewers that, you know, Mm -hmm. some of them praised the film. um, And then some of them, you know, said that they criticized the depiction of of the black characters in in the film. And the guy that played um, Uncle Remus uh, was James Baskett. Mm -hmm. Um, He actually won a um, honorary Oscar for best performance as Uncle Remus. Um, And he was the first African-American actor, black actor, to win an Oscar. And it's kind of, I mean, that kind of tells you, though, like, I say it like it's a good thing, but at the same time, like, they had to make an honorary Oscar for him because probably they didn't want to nominate a black man for best actor. Do you know what I mean? um, Hattie McDaniel was also in it. I thought she was the first black person to to win an Oscar. Well, maybe this is man, then. Oh, okay, yeah, maybe, yeah, yeah, you're right. Okay. Um, also, Zippity Duda won the Academy Award for Best Original Song in 1948. Um, Crazy. So, like, huge, huge, huge movie, but just, like, really some problematic things looking back at it. And like Brian said, like, lots of people, lots of uh, black reviewers liked it because they were like, yeah, look, like, a black actor doing awesome in this movie. But then a lot of people didn't because they're like, hey, this movie makes it look like slaves were cool with being slaves. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but what's also really weird to me, going back to the Splash Mountain part about this, is that they stopped showing Song of the South in like the 70s. And Michael Eisner in 1984 said that the film would not be receiving a home video release in the US because he didn't want to have a viewing disclaimer um, with the backlash and the racism. Yeah. But. It was released in Europe and Asia, Asia, where slavery was less controversial, which is kind no of like an, a little bit of an uh-oh. But what's weird about that is that Splash Mountain opened in 1989. Wow. This is not an old Disney ride. It's not like an original Disney ride from the no. 50s. Like They opened this ride in 1989 with the characters from Song of the South and zippity doo but with nobody in North America knowing what the fuck Song of the South was. That's crazy. Isn't that weird? Yeah. Cool. Well, because, yeah, cool. like... Weird decision. Y- yeah. you, you wouldn't know. If you were to go into Disneyland, and, uh, like, as much as, as we've gone since we were kids, 
a whole lot of people are kind of like us and did, didn't really realize that this had anything to do with the film Song of the South. They knew this yeah. the song Zippity Doodah. They knew that the, you know you sing Zippity Doodah at the end when uh, when you take the big drop, and that's mm-hmm. that's about it. Yeah. Um, yeah, but, uh, yeah, and and our and like so when this came out last week, I was like, great, who cares? Moving on, you know, as I am with everything. Fuck mm-hmm. Aunt Jemima, Uncle Ben, all this racist shit. If it could just go away forever, uh, you know, it's a little performative, but it also is like is like it's about fucking time. You know, it's long overdue. A lot of this stuff, um, and that's where my mindset was. And then Kirsten actually said something like, "Oh, I'll miss it, but he doodah." And I did have a moment of being like, yeah, you know, I kind of will too. I, as, as much as I had no idea, Slash Mountain is one of my favorite rides at Disneyland. And I do love it the way it is. I do love that I am going by all these characters that I don't know who they are and I don't get the references at all. But it's just like, it's like, oh, this is clearly from something I didn't know or is before me or is, or just exists even in this ride, you know, similar mm-hmm. to, Pirates of the Caribbean before they made the movie, you know, yeah. and and still so much of Pirates of the Caribbean is and does just exist in the ride. Although actually every single element practically was mined for the movies by now. But um, and then they put Johnny Depp in the ride, which yeah, whatever. to connect yeah. it further to the movies. So so I kind of yeah I I did have a moment of being like ah oh well you know I've I wrote it enough in my life as that. And uh, no sense uh, fighting about it or anything like that. And again, if it does, if it takes us away from something that was somewhat problematic, well, mm. well, good. You know, I suppose. It's just so weird, though, because like I like I agree. Good. Like, let's give Princess Tiana that her own ride, Princess and the Frog, whatever. Yeah. But like, it, it's just like there's no Uncle Remus isn't in it. I, I don't know. It's it's just a. I it's think as long as the thing. song is in it, it's always going to have connections, though, to that the song of the South. Yeah, um, but that's that. it's sort of that sentimental part of us in that, like, we all grew up with Zippity Doodah, not even necessarily knowing about Song of the South, but it was yeah. just a song of our childhood. So there's a little, there's stronger emotional connections to that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it, it, it's, it's it's interesting because you do like Bob Iger did back when we were talking about this. Bob Iger did confirm that Song of the South was not going to be on Disney Plus, right? Yeah. Um, but there are still some things that are on Disney Plus that have that disclaimer tag. So like back back when we were talking about this, we were talking about Peter Pan, right? Yeah. And Peter Pan even still has that song. What makes what made the Red Man Red? Right, right. Wow. And like that Yikes. whole part. Yeah. I was like, I remember showing my kid Peter Pan because I was like, Oh yeah, you got, you haven't seen Peter Pan yet. We should watch Peter Pan. And that whole scene, I'm like, Oh, yeah. should yeah, yeah. we skip? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then there's still even even the the cartoon of Dumbo still has the character of Jim Crow. Yeah. Oh, so. you know. Dang. But uh, but I'm for. You know. I, I I just I I still want to make the case of like I think that the disclaimer is the right way to go there. I I don't want these things to just go away forever. You know um, I I am I'm I, I it's easy for me to say one you know, number one of a state of like removed privilege, but number two from a like I just want to appreciate these things of like pieces of art of the time. Do you know what I mean? And and it's somewhat it's important to remember, you know, the history of what Disney thought it was okay to put out at the time. And and I'm able to watch that and be like, you know, like you did, Brian, 
oh my god, I can't believe this yeah. isn't a movie. How horrible. You know, I don't think that that tacitly implies a support of a racist stereotype in a cartoon. Um, I, I'm able to compartmentalize and watch that, but again, I, I don't know because and I can't have the the last word or last say or any say on it really because again, it is comes from a, a ex- place of extreme privilege. But one thing I should mention too with this whole thing is that um, when I talked about this on the air last week, Mary Harrison, pod fan number one, called up and had been all over it already that day. Was looking at all the like Disney chat boards and this, and to let me know that evidently. This is not a reaction to the, like, social unrest in the States right now. They had been planning this for, like, a year. Now, this is, I think, this is the case. I wouldn't be surprised about that because they did did talk about a lot of that stuff pre-COVID. Like, this was back in March that Bob Iger uh, talked about, uh, or not pre-COVID, but, like, pre-kind of what's going on Mm -hmm. uh, right now in the news, right? Right. Like, it was back in March that he talked about, Bob Iger talked about, you know, the Song of the South not being on Disney+. Right. So, so so they had been planning to overhaul Splash Mountain, which again is like that's a major thing. That's one of their almost original rides and again Zippity Doodah and all that for the company. Um so they've been wanting to do this for a while. It just makes it's a little coincidence that, you know, right now they're they're announcing that their intention is to do that. Um and that brings It's also weird sorry you were no, probably going to connect that. I was going to say it's also weird because they are replacing it with the princess and the frog which kind of seems like a little bit performative. Yeah. I don't know, but mm. it, you know with that with that knowledge that this is something they've been planning for a while, I guess it's not. Because of course, if, for people that don't know, in the princess of the frog the frog has the um Disney's first black princess. Yes. Right. Princess Tiana, what I else? What I'll say about that, like Princess and the Frog, thematically, yeah, the feel of the music and and the the world, I think, is probably the closest match to what you could get from the original Splash Mountain sa- uh, slash oh, Song okay. of the South. But other Disney nerds, and you will love this, bud. Other Disney nerds were saying that a better match, maybe that could have been fun, was the Emperor's New Groove. Because when you come to the big drop, right. you could have Yzma saying, pull wrong the lever, Kronk. Yeah, and then when you go down at the bottom, she'd be like, wrong lever. And it would be that's perfect. That's hilarious. <laughs> you know, a good point, but that's for one moment, I think, as opposed to the whole movie. <laughs> yeah. However, yes, I would love so much as you're going down. Everybody would scream that. That would become a, a hashtag unto that itself. Would be so wrong good. Lever! Like I think I think you could fit it in. Like there's some dark moments in Emperor's New Groove because the thing about um, Splash Mountain is it's a dark ride. Like yeah. people forget there's a, a big dark ride component to that. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, and that is in Emperor's New Groove. Uh, like when he's being chased by the Panthers, and I guess it works in Princess and the P or Princess. Well, it and the starts Frog. out with an attempted murder. <laughs> like, yeah, <laughs> Princess and the Frog. Um, you know because it's got that like bayou mm-hmm. swamp feel to it anyway it's yeah. gonna be interesting like princess and the frog left no major impression on my mind at all mm. i can't tell you one song from that movie plot wise maybe not but like i can think of music and scenes oh and, really well yeah you because know, i'm a nerd voice acting uh. jim cummings was brilliant in in that one as who's the, jim as the cummings um well a he's the voice of winnie the pooh and tigger and has been for many many years um and he did the voice of uh, the firefly whose name i can't recall right raymond's 
in in Princess and the Frog. Yeah, I, yeah. Again, couldn't tell you. But Jim Cummings is a one of those brilliant uh, journeyman voice actors. Very uh, versatile. Yeah. Um, great musician and singer unto himself. Um, and the witch doctor uh, was another yeah. great, very memorable character, and his number, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, just just sort of got me. And it, it, this news has inspired me to go and watch that movie again. It's, I, I'm going to do that. Soon. Yeah, it did for me, and I actually did watch it for the first time this past weekend. Oh, oh, what do you think? Uh, I'm I'm like right in between you and Kirsten, but I think like I, I agree, it's not, it's certainly not their best. Um, yeah. But it's yeah, there were a few memorable-ish moments. The yeah, the Shadow Man stuff was pretty cool. The song was good. There's yeah. there certainly is I and and again because I'm watching it for the first time in the context of this will take over Splash Mountain. Right. I there were a lot of things like yeah in the swamp and then the the like shadow creatures come out and are chasing the frogs and it's like like that could like you say Kirsten that translates really well into. Um, the scary dark ride part. Yeah. And there's like, there's the river boat, which already exists in Splash Mountain. So like, yeah, yeah, I think there's a ton of parallels. I think, and especially I was expecting her to be a princess the whole movie. I didn't know that she turns into a frog. I didn't know the the movie's about frogs half the movie. Spoiler. (laughs) Yeah. Spoiler. (laughs) Sorry, everyone. So... So I think that's gonna. I mean, it is in the title. I know, <laughs> but that so that's gonna translate really well in the like little characters that the fox and the rabbit did. Um, so so yeah, I'm excited too for it. It, it makes perfect sense. It made me want to be an Imagineer. <laughs> well, that's awesome, uh, folks. We got to say goodbye to Brian. Brian, say oh, goodbye. Oh shoot, thing. we've gone long. Bye, bye, bye Brian. Boy, ten oh nine one three Twitter. It's uh, I'm gonna just stop the backup recording, but I'm gonna assume that the rest of the pod's gonna go well. So okay. <laughs> here's hoping. Here's hoping. <laughs> Thanks, Brian. Yeah. Um, is there anything else we want to cover? Reviews and recommendations or anything? Yeah, I'll do my review and recommendation of you should have left. Uh. Brian, so, you well, should have left. I should have left. You I'm leaving. I'm left. trying to leave without ending the meeting for all. Oh, this ought to be good. Leave. Hopefully. Okay, bye, guys. Hopefully uh, you're still there. Good luck. Oh, sorry, Kirsten, before... I'm going to sign... Kirsten's going to be the host. Yeah. Nice. I'm going to mute you all. (laughs) Before you do that, can we just touch on... There's a last thing on the cue sheet that's tied into the the world and the the Splash Mountain thing is that um, Jenny Slate kind of started an... Yeah, she started like an avalanche of this, but she announced last week that she would no longer voice Missy on Big Mouth mm-hmm. because Missy is like a, a mixed race character who's half black and Jenny Slade is not that. And she said that, you know, from now on, someone who is uh, a person of color should voice people of color on cartoon shows even. And then from there, that's what I mean, like it started an avalanche. Then you had... um uh, family Guy and The Simpsons and all these other shows uh, say the same thing. And it was funny. There was when, when Jenny Slate did it, everyone was like, yay, good for you. And then when The Simpsons did it, everyone was like, just end already. Just shut up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then, wow. And then when Family Guy did it, they were like, oh, yeah, that's the big problem with Family Guy. <laughs> like there's so much shitty racism and all kinds of phobic phobic stuff in Family Guy mm. as jokes to begin with. So, but how wonderful! Anyways, these small steps being taken. Yeah, it's cool. Sorry, Kirsten, go on. No, that's okay. Um, so what was it? You should have left. 
Paul. Um, <laughs> so this is uh, this movie, uh, Kevin Bacon and Amanda Seyfried. Oh. Weirdly. Uh, it got like really marketed to me within the last two weeks. It's one of those, um, is it Universal or like... I'm just trying to find out who. Oh, it was a Bloomhouse um, one, which I feel like Bloomhouse is producing more and more shit movies lately. I don't know what they're doing. Um, I'm trying to find who actually released it, if it was Universal. Anyway, it's a direct-to-video one, kind of like what happened with um, uh, The Hunt and sort of Invisible Man, because we got like a week of that before. A cinema stopped. Anyway, it wasn't great. It was. It's a horror mystery drama, and like I just feel like, like it kind of has a twist at the end. But I just feel like they didn't fucking commit to the twist in the way that they should have. Um, and it wasn't great. And it was weird because Kevin Bacon is married to Amanda Seyfried in the movie. And there's like a, what, 35-year-old age difference there? Yeah, Something. yeah. Oh, but you don't get to see his penis, which is oh, weird. Oh, for the love of Pete. Oh, that's too bad. What? No, I, I like him serious. You see Kevin Bacon's penis in like every single movie okay. he's in, except for You Should okay. Have Left, just so it, you know. Yeah, Didn't happen in X-Men. Yeah. Is Kevin oh, Bacon in X-Men? Yeah. Yeah, first class. What is he? First class, he was... He's like pre-Magneto. He's the bad guy. Pre-Magneto. I don't remember. Anyway, no penis. Thank you for that. Okay, anything else you want to cover? Yeah, oh, I watched a little Flora's Lava, and I thought it was hilarious. Yeah, there was a good uh, good uh, discussion about that in the group chat. Yeah, and I really wanted to do it. I, w- I wish they would open up like a like a theme park ride or something, or like a like a. If they did a traveling show of that, one hundred percent, I would pay good money mm-hmm. to go and 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 do that and flail and fall into lava. It would be. I would so love that. It'd be great. As long as the lava was well chlorinated, of course, but. Very true, yeah. In this day and age, yeah. But it really is like Brian was absolutely right. The best part of the show is that clearly the people are coached <laughs> up that when you fall in the lava, like go all the way under and then don't come up for yeah. a bit, and then everybody else like scream as if your family member has died, and we'll never show that person on camera again. Yes, <laughs> and so it seems like the person dies and gets dragged into lava, and it's like. It's so I was rooting for people to fail. I was like, "Play, I love." Brian's poor son is convinced <laughs> that this show is committing mass murder. It's hilarious. It's, it's really good. otherwise the show is just very stupid. All right, Kirsten James, where can we find you on the internet? Kirsten dot James on Instagram. Okay, Polly Polizino. All right, uh, Art Aaron Center on all socials. Hope you're having some good fishing there, Art. Yeah. We miss you. And I'm Webmeister Bud on all socials. This has been the Zones Geek Out Podcast, episode 91.3. Love you all. Stay safe. Bye. The Geek Out Podcast is a production of The Zone at 91.3. The views expressed here are not necessarily those of this radio station. And really, some of those views are pretty stupid. I mean, come on. For more on-demand audio from The Zone, visit thezone.fm slash podcast or the on-demand tab of our app. Thanks for listening, and thanks for being a zoner.